Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. morning that I received this week that has truly touched my heart in a unique way. And what I want to speak to you this morning about is the power of a consecrated life. The power of of a consecrated life. Or you could say, the blessedness of a consecrated life. I looked up the word consecrate, and this is what it means. It simply means to make holy. It also means dedication to a higher purpose. Now, in the context of our ministry this morning, we are speaking about dedicating or consecrating ourselves to God for His purposes. For example, when we finished this building, we consecrated it to the Lord and to His work. And that means... It is not used for any other purpose, but just for the purposes of the Lord's work. It is consecrated and dedicated to the Lord. So when the Lord calls us to consecrate ourselves to Him, it means that we set ourselves apart for God and His purposes. That's what it means. And as you know, or you may not know, our fellowship, this family, is entering a new season. And it is for this purpose and for this cause that God is calling us as a family, as a body of believers, to a higher level of consecration so that we might bear much fruit for His glory. Regardless of where God placed you and or the type of work or ministry that you exercise, whether it's in the marketplace or whether it's in the church, it's important that you realize, that I realize, that God's will for your life is your sanctification. Well, that's, one, that's what 1 Thessalonians says, 4.3 says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification and consecration is about the same thing. To sanctify means to set apart for God. So, I'm going to start my message in a rather strange way this morning. <laughs> but um, 
as I get into it, you will see that what the Lord shared with me is all about consecrating ourselves to Him in order that He may anoint us for greater purposes, for greater things. And so, I'm going to share a conversation I had with the Spirit of God this past week in the early hours of my morning watch. I asked the Lord a question. You know, it's good to ask questions. That's how the Lord ministers to you. You ask Him, and He will talk to you. Jesus said, ask, and you shall receive. The more questions you ask, the wiser you become. Amen? Do you ever ask the Lord any questions that you may, you may are troubled with? You know, one of the questions I asked him was, I said, Lord, this particular family that has come to our ministry, since they came, all they've experienced is trials and tribulations, one after the other, afflictions. And I said, Lord, you have spoken over this ministry that we are in the business of restoration, restoring lives. And all I'm seeing is attacks and afflictions that are taking place in this family. What's going on? And you know what the Lord answered me with? He said, affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake. Because you've given them my word, affliction and persecution came because of the word you gave them. <laughs> Isn't, that Isn't that strange? Instead of things getting better, they're getting worse. But Satan is after the Word. So anytime you sit under the ministry of the Word, you need to expect and you will have affliction and persecution. And that's when your faith is tested in the Word that you received. Amen? So you want, to, you, you, want to, you want the devil to leave you alone? Stop listening to the Word. He'll leave you alone. He doesn't bother with people that have no Word in them. And he has nothing personally against you. It's against the Word that you received. And this is one of his tactics to steal that Word out of your heart by causing you to become offended and say, it's not working. It's not for me. I've had people say to me in the last two weeks, nothing works for me. And I'm believing for this, and it's not working. Well, if you say it's not working, it's not going to work for you. Hello? You've got to stay with the Word until the Word works. There's no problem with God. God is not missing it. We are missing it some way. And once you realize that, then you put your focus on God and say, Lord, you're not missing it. Where am I missing it? Amen? God's Word always works if you stay with the Word. Amen? Jesus said, if you continue with my Word, you shall be my disciples indeed, 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the key word there is continue. So I asked the Lord this question. Come back to my question, to this other question. Lord, how can I minister to you today? Show me, how can I honor you? Well, his answer was so simple and yet so powerful. I have never seen ministry to the Lord the way the Spirit described it to me that morning. And I've never heard anyone say it the way the Spirit communicated his answer to me. This is what he said. When you believe my word, you minister to me. That's so simple, yet it's so powerful. When you believe my word, you minister to me. This is how we minister to the Lord. How? By believing his word. And then he said, you honor me with your faith and obedience. You want to honor the Lord? This is the way you do it. And then he said, and those that honor me, I will honor, and I will exalt them and lift them up. Did you get that? When you believe my word, you minister to me. You honor me with your faith and your obedience. And those that honor me, I will honor by exalting them and lifting them up. Well, I was reminded at that moment of the words Jesus answered those who asked him another question. And their question was, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? You remember that? What shall we do that we may do the works of God. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You want to do the works of God? Very simple. All we need to do is to believe. Believe what? Believe on him whom he has sent. So we ask the question, whom has he sent? Psalm 107, verse 20 says, put it up, please. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, He sent His what? Who's the Word of God? Jesus Christ is the living Word. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So when I believe whom He has sent, that is the Word, I minister to the Lord, and I honor Him with my faith. Nothing pleases the Lord any more than simply believing His Word and resting in His promises. Nothing ministers more to the Lord than that. When you believe what He said, pleases God. Hebrews 11, verse 6, For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Christianity is very simple. Amen? Believe. Believe His Word only. Now, 
When the Lord spoke that word to my heart, I was overly concerned and stressed about a particular situation. And then he gently asked me, why not cast this care on me, son, and rest in my ability to take care of this? Have I not been faithful to you all of these years? Why do you stress and worry about this matter? Hmm. Are you stressed about something this morning? Have you been stressing about the news lately and worried about what's going on? About the situation in this country and where we are headed? Hmm? Are you stressed or worried about your kids, about your relatives, or about something in your life? Well, why not cast this care over on God? And immediately, scriptures such as 1 Peter 5, 7 came to mind that says, casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. You know what it means to cast? It means to throw that care over on God. And don't take it back. And every time the devil brings it back to you, you just keep casting it onto the Lord. When you cast something, you don't have it anymore. You don't carry it anymore. You don't think about it anymore. Because it's the Lord's care if you've given it to him. If you care about it, then God cannot do anything about it. But when you rest in God, that's when he works. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. He clearly showed me that morning that my unbelief in this area was causing unnecessary unrest to my soul, was stealing my joy in the Lord, and most of all, it was bringing displeasure and dishonor to the Lord. Do you know that when you worry, when you stress about something, it displeases the Lord? Unbelief is a great sin. Do you know that humanity will be judged by their unbelief? Every other sin has been forgiven. But the sin of unbelief. Jesus said when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. And the one question that God will ask humanity on that day is, what have you done with my son that I gave you? Amen. So when I asked him, how can I minister to him? He said, stop stressing. Believe my word. That is how you minister to me. Amen? Now, when the bad news reached Jairus, you remember the story? A messenger came from his house and broke the bad news to him. He said, Jairus, your daughter is now dead. Don't even bother the master anymore. You recall what Jesus said to him. Immediately the word says, Jesus responded to that negative report and said, Do not be afraid, 
only believe. These are powerful words. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Well, I believe that even in the darkest hour, when in the natural there is no hope whatsoever and everything seems lost, our beloved Savior is saying to you and I, do not be afraid. Only believe. Even when there's no hope and in the natural it looks like everything, every hope, of an answer or restoring the situation. It's hopeless. You will hear the words of Jesus. If you have eyes and ears that listen and hear, you will hear the Lord saying to you the same thing he said to Jairus. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Amen. And this is what Jairus did. He refused to fear. He refused to believe that negative report, even though his daughter was dead. I mean, you can't get any worse than that. She's gone. She's dead. He still refused to fear and believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. What did he believe? Jesus said, I will go and raise her up. That's what he believed. And the word says, the Lord raised his daughter from the dead. Now, his faith ministered to the Lord. That's what I want to stress today. Your unbelief and my unbelief dishonors the Lord, but our faith in his word honors and ministers to the Lord. And Jesus exalted him and lifted the father out of his despair. Now, as I said, unbelief is a terrible sin, and we've got, we got to view it as such. You know, many times we classify and we ca categorize sin, small sin, big sin. Adultery, big sin. Lying, small sin. Unbelief, small sin. Worry, small sin. No, it's not. In the eyes of God, sin is sin any way you cut it. Amen. So unbelief is a grave sin. It's a terrible sin. You know why? Because it dishonors the Lord and violates His integrity in our hearts. Jesus often rebuked his disciples for their unbelief. That was one sin that he constantly refused and did not tolerate it in his disciples. When they secretly asked him, why could we not cast out this evil spirit? Even though the Lord gave them the authority and the power to cast out demons, the father brought his son who suffered from an epilepsy and was a demon of a spirit of epilepsy. They tried to cast him out and they couldn't. And secretly they came to Jesus and asked him, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus was forthright. He said to them, because of your unbelief. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, 
Jesus rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Whenever and wherever Jesus found unbelief, he rebuked it in the strongest terms. You see, not to believe his word is a choice we make. Amen? You believe? Do you know that? It's a choice. Faith is a choice. Unbelief is a choice. We choose to believe or we choose not to believe. So when we do not believe is a choice we make. If we do not believe his promises or his word, that means we believe something else. It means we dishonor the truth and we honor the lie. That's what it means, basically. We believe the lie that we hear from another source. We believe the lie that our feelings or emotions might communicate to us. Or circumstances that we face, they speak to us every single day. Your body will speak to you, your feelings will speak to you, the world will speak to you, circumstances will speak to you. And if we choose to believe that instead of His Word, what are we doing? We're honoring the lie and we're dishonoring the truth. That's as simple as that. So, to destroy unbelief and root it out of our lives, we need to do what? To silence and reject the lies which confront us on a daily basis. We need to unplug from the lies and the deception of this world. Pull the plug. Now, when Jesus said to the disciples, it's your unbelief that caused you to fail, it underlined the root cause of the failure. And I say this, all of our failures in our Christian walk with God can be traced to this one cause, and it's unbelief. Many years ago when I was struggling with nicotine, I couldn't give it up. I tried to quit smoking. After I got born again, I was filled with the Spirit. And then this, this thing just seemed to hold on to me. And no matter how I tried, I couldn't get rid of it. I would throw the cigarette in the dustbin. I would go pick it up again and start smoking. I was so ashamed and embarrassed because of that. And it, it hindered my faith. And when I asked the Lord, Lord, why can't you deliver me from this? He said, I have. It's your unbelief. And then he said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So I fasted for three days and the hole just broke. That, that hole that was on me was severed. And I threw that cigarette away and never touched it again. And it's been about 40 years. Now, it is interesting to note, listen, that Jesus did not say to them, you don't have enough faith. He never said that. They had the faith. 
but they also had unbelief. So what happened is their unbelief negated their faith. Do you see it? He didn't say to them, you don't have enough faith. It's because you don't believe. They did believe. The father said, I believe. And then he cried out, help my unbelief. You see, his unbelief was negating his faith. And that's what happens. That's where many of us are. We have the faith. We believe God, but we also have a lot of unbelief. And what happens is our unbelief negates our faith. It short-circuits our faith. So what we need to do is to eradicate every form of unbelief so that our faith can effectively work in our lives. Well, how do you eradicate unbelief? That's where consecration comes in. The way we eradicate unbelief is through consecrating ourselves to God. Stop feeding it. That's what fasting means. Jesus said this kind, meaning unbelief, this spirit, this attitude, this culture of unbelief cannot come out by any other way except by fasting and prayer. Now, fasting means abstaining from feeding the flesh, not just food but everything that strengthens unbelief. Someone said we have two dogs fighting. One belongs to God, one belongs to the devil. Who's going to win? Everybody said God's dog. No, the one you feed the most, that's the one that's going to win. Hello? That's what fasting is. It disconnects you from the deception and the lies of this world. You starve the flesh and you starve yourself from everything that keeps feeding that unbelief. Hello? If you continually watch the bad reports on the news, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be filled with fear and anxiety and stress. And you're going to think, what am I going to do now? Where am I going to go? Maybe it's time to leave. Hello? You've got to stop feeding your unbelief. You see, this world runs and is baptized in unbelief. Fear. It runs by fear. That's what drives this world. And the people of this world are governed by fear and unbelief. So the way that you, that you starve that unbelief is you pull the plug. You don't feed on what the world feeds. Hello? So unplugging from the spirit and the influence of this world, coupled with spending time in prayer and fellowship with His Word, will place you in a place of authority and in a place of power. That's consecration. Simply put, is consecrating ourselves to the Lord and to his word and his purposes, and starving our unbelief. And this is what sanctification is. When, when the word speaks of sanctification, 
That's what it means. It means separating yourself unto God. So a consecrated person is one who is separated unto the Lord for the purposes of carrying out God's assignments on the earth, whatever your vocation in life is. When you go to work, you're going for Jesus. Jesus placed you there. And he's looking to you to represent him in that place where God placed you. Amen. We all called into ministry, whether you realize it or not. You represent God. You're an ambassador of Christ. And that's why God placed you there, so that you may influence that place through the Spirit of God and the Word of God and influence the people that you come in contact with. Now, you can only do that by the Spirit and the anointing that rests on you. The greater the consecration, the greater the anointing. The greater the consecration, the greater the power and the authority that rests on you. Amen? Paul, writing to Timothy, he says the following, and this is consecration in a nutshell. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Listen to what he said to him. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. This is consecration in a nutshell. Listen to what he says. The great house he's referring to is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of this great house, this great family of God. You're part of it. I'm part of it. And in this house, the house of God, Paul said there are vessels of gold and silver, but there are also vessels of wood and clay. The wood and clay represent the contaminating influence of the world. And if we cleanse ourselves from these, he didn't say God is going to cleanse you. He said we choose to cleanse ourselves from these. It is our responsibility, not God's. Are you with me? If we cleanse ourselves from the wood and the clay, the wood and the clay is what contaminates your faith. It is the negative, unbelieving influence of this present world. And if we cleanse ourselves from that, then the Word of God says we will be vessels for honor, sanctified and useful to the Master. You see, not only do we have to feed our faith, but we also have to protect it. If you don't protect your faith, it will be contaminated. How do you protect your faith? By creating an environment that is conducive for building up your faith. You protect your eyes, your ears, what they see, what you hear. You set a guard around your eyes, around your ears, and around your heart, and you don't let what's outside come inside you. 
The more you focus on the negative things that are going on around you, the more those negative things will come inside you. And when they come inside you, you sink. Hello? The principle is this. What you focus on, your heart becomes sensitive to. What you neglect to focus on and pay attention to, your heart is hardened towards it. So we need to focus on the positive. We need to be thankful unto God, praising God, looking at what God does, looking unto Jesus, the Bible says, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and rejecting the lies, resisting the fear. Don't confess fear. Don't say, I'm afraid. Don't say, I'm concerned. Don't say, I'm stressed out. Refuse the stress, resist the stress, resist the fear, and focus on the Lord and His Word. Amen? That's how we protect our faith. Jesus' words to us today and every day, do not fear, only believe. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what this one said. It doesn't matter what the world tells us. Only believe. God has already spoken. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always be with you. I will take care of you and of your children. Just believe. Amen. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to stress. Resist it. Don't give in to unbelief and its lies. Resist it and remain steadfast in your faith. So, now, The word of the Lord says that Jesus, for our sake and the disciples' sake, he sanctified himself to the Father. Remember those words he said? They are recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 18 and 19. Jesus said, Father, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Let me say this. We all have loved ones whom we are praying for, right? We have people who they look to us as examples. They're counting on us. In the word of Jesus to the Father, we find the secret for their sanctification. For their sake, I sanctify myself and I set myself apart to serve you, Father, so that they, who's they? His loved ones, his disciples, the ones that he died for, so that they may be sanctified through your truth. And I say this, and we saw this so clearly, as Jesus sanctified himself through consecration, remember what the Father did? He released the power of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost and ushered the disciples into a new era of miracles, of signs and wonders. But that came about because Jesus sanctified himself to the Father. He consecrated himself to God. And God looked upon the Son's consecration and released the power of the Spirit and ushered the disciples into a whole new dimension of authority and power. My brothers, my sisters, listen to me. We hold the key 
to our loved one's salvation. Don't ever forget that. We hold the key to the deliverance. We hold the key to the sanctification. And I pray that we will embrace this commission from the Lord and live holy and responsible lives. What you do does not only matter to you, it matters to your children and to your children's children up to a thousand generations. Did you know that? When Jesus said to the Father, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. When the Father dealt with his unbelief, you see figures of authority are highly respected by the Lord. And I've seen this throughout the years of my ministry. Sometimes the wife comes to the Lord and the husband is not in the Lord. And the wife can only do so much. But when the husband turns to the Lord in repentance, there's a whole new era that comes upon the family. Because God honors authority. He honors headship. Are you listening to me? And those of us who are fathers... And husbands carry grave responsibility before God for our loved ones. And that's so true. When the father dealt with his unbelief, Jesus was empowered to minister to his child. And immediately he spoke to the demon and the demon left him. But that came because of the father's repentance. If the father had not repented, Jesus could not do anything. I pray that the Lord would show us those things which continue to feed our unbelief and contaminate our faith. Ask the Lord to show you, Lord, what is it that contaminates my faith? What is it that hinders my faith from experiencing your tangible presence in a greater measure in my life? What is it that dishonors you where is my unbelief holding you back from working the way that you desire to work in my life? And the Lord will be more than happy to show you and to show me. Amen? So the way you live your life, I want to stress that, matters not only to God, but also to your loved ones and the generations that will come after you. In fact, I want to read to you what God promised Abraham because of his obedience. Genesis 22, verse 16 through to 18 says, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice. I'm going to bless the nations through your obedience. The Bible says, by the obedience of one man, many shall be made righteous. And by the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. You were born in sin. You know why? Because your forefather disobeyed God. 
You had nothing to do with it. You were not even born. And yet his disobedience caused you and I to be born in sin. And now you were made righteous, not because you did something, but because the one, the righteous one, obeyed God, because he obeyed, you were made righteous. And I say this to you, when you obey, others will be made righteous. Because we carry the same mandate. We carry the same commission. And when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord and obey His voice, the blessing will come not just on you, but on your children and your grandchildren and their children's children up to a thousand generations. Well, if you don't believe me, look at First Chronicles 16, verse 15. Remember his covenant forever, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. You don't have to worry about your kids. You don't have to worry about your grandchildren and the children after them. All you need to do is just focus on your life of obedience to God. He will take care of the rest. And while I was... Listen to this. While I was meditating on this, I heard the Spirit of God say these words to me. He said, your consecration to me and your life of faith and obedience becomes an everlasting memorial before me, interceding continually before my throne for their salvation. And sometimes you may feel guilty. I haven't prayed for my kids today. I haven't prayed for them for a week. It doesn't matter. If you live a life of obedience, your life of obedience is a continual memorial before God that reminds Him of your loved ones and cries out to Him for mercy and grace for your children and your children's children up to a thousand generations. That's powerful, but that's also frightening. That's very frightening. This is, this is awesome. I mean, when I thought of this and when I consider that my life can affect and influence one way or another, either for the blessing or for the curse, my future generations, I am filled with fear and awe. I'm terrified. Do you know why? Because if I mess up, I don't just mess up for me. I mess up for my family and those that will come after me out of my loins. That's why we should live before God in a manner that is pleasing to Him, not just for our sakes and our family, but for the generations that will come after us. You see, I heard someone say, and this is so true, he said, there is an assignment on every generation to serve as a bridge from the one before to the one that's coming. You know, you're a bridge. What happens when the bridge is severed? I look back, my father, my grandfather, as far back as I was told, I don't remember anyone serving God except my one grandmother. I used to visit her, and I think it's because of their prayers, somehow, she, she couldn't read, she couldn't write,
But when I, when I went over to visit and stayed over for the night, before she went to bed, she would kneel like the Muslims do, you know? And, and that's, that's how she knew to worship God. That's, that's what she was taught. And she would put her face down on the floor and she would cry out, mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful. And she would do this several times. That was her prayer. I watched her as a small boy, and I still remember those moments. They never left my mind. But God was looking at her heart. I believe she was interceding. Imagine what we could do with a life of obedience to God. And I believe that we have a responsibility to successfully communicate the faith that was once delivered to the saints, to the generations that will come after us. I watched my kids as they grew up. And one day I had a conversation with my eldest daughter many years ago before she got married. And the conversation came up. I don't know how this conversation came up, but she said these words to me, and I've never been able to forget them. He said, Dad, the very thought of how our lives would reflect on you kept us on the straight and narrow. She said, we lived our lives in the house, with mom's voice and your voice in the back of our head. And we've always considered that if we go our way and rebel, how would that reflect on you as a pastor? Wow, that's powerful, you know that? In other words, what kept them from evil was the fear, the godly fear, of what would that do to the testimony of her parents. And I pray that parents would live with the same awe and the same fear before God. How will that affect my kids if I rebel, if I do it my way, if I walk away from God, if I backslide? How will that affect my kids? Parents complain today why the children are not in church. You know, you can talk to your kids, but they're going to follow you and they're going to see what you do and they're going to end up doing the same thing. Amen. Lord, help us not to fail in this all-important announcement uh, assignment. I don't know, folks. I, I, I trust that I was able to communicate something to you today that will benefit you for the future of your life and the future of your children's. But as I meditated upon these words that the Lord gave me, holy fear filled my heart and mind, recognizing the grave responsibility that is upon us. So let's stand and pray and ask the Lord to help us, to help us not to mess up 
to help us get rid of those things that contaminate our faith and strengthen our unbelief. To begin to put God first above all else, not when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient. Not when it pays only, but when it costs. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the admonition and the call that you are calling us with to consecration and dedication to you and to your precious will. May the fear of the Lord fill our hearts, Father. And may we continue to walk before you with holy fear. For it is the fear of the Lord that enables us to depart from all evil. Teach us how to disconnect from those things and from those reports that contaminate our faith and strengthen our unbelief. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.